But what is actually exciting is that tonight we're starting this new series uh, called Watch Out. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping the timing of this series ends up being beneficial to all of us and what God's doing in our lives. Because this series is about watchmen and what it means for us to be watchmen for the Lord in this day and age. And we find these watchmen mentioned in Ezekiel 33. Uh, so turn with me there if you haven't already. But when I'm talking about the timing of this series, I'm talking about the fact that we just had a missions conference last week. And as we'll see tonight, being a watchman has a lot to do with the mission God's given us to reach the world with the gospel. Now, we obviously knew the missions conference was going to be last week, so the timing of this series was on purpose. So I'm not going to pretend like it's some miracle that God orchestrated this series on this night. Like, God doesn't just send me an email and say, let's do, let's do a series that relates to missions the week after the missions conference. Like, no, that stuff is, is planned. It's more like the grand machinations of Corey, Nick, and Zach. Um, but what I didn't realize when I planned this, or when we planned this series, is that Joe McKaig was going to talk a little bit about Watchmen while he was preaching the conference. So I'll just take that to mean that this is stuff that God really wants us to hear. So each week in this series, we're going to look, or we're going to talk about a major aspect of being God's watchman. And tonight will serve as our introduction to that topic, and we'll get a good understanding of what a watchman is and what they're told to watch out for. And that's an important place to start because as we'll see in our text tonight, being a watchman is an incredible responsibility. So a good watchman has to watch with responsibility if he wants to do his job. And if he doesn't watch with responsibility, he can actually get himself into some trouble. So let me get a swig of water and then we'll read Ezekiel 33. Starting in verse 1, it says, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword cometh up, or come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And I get it. Ezekiel isn't normally a place we go to to get instructions on Christian living, is it? Ezekiel was an Old Testament prophet to the nation of Israel, so we have to be careful about directly applying the stuff we read in there to us living today. But from a historical context, well, God is just giving Ezekiel a physical picture of the spiritual reality of his life. Israel set watchmen to look out for trouble so that people could be warned of physical danger, like an invading army coming to kill them or take them captive. But God applies that picture to Ezekiel, telling him that he is a watchman for Israel, tasked with warning them about the coming judgment for their wickedness. God gave him a job to do, 
and he was expected to do it. Doctrinally, I believe this applies to the witnesses during the tribulation who will again be tasked with warning the nation of Israel about the coming judgment for their wickedness. But in this series, we're going to focus on a practical application of this passage because practically, this passage can apply to us. And tonight, we'll see the biblical connections that make that application for us. And as, we will, as we'll see practically, we are to be watchmen tasked with warning the lost world of their coming judgment for their wickedness. Because that's a responsibility God gives to us. And like watchmen protecting the inhabitants of their city, if we don't warn the lost world about the, this coming judgment and share the gospel with them to help them avoid that judgment, they might go their entire lives without ever hearing what they need to hear, without getting the warning they need to be warned with. And we'll see why that's important tonight. Just like the watchmen, we have a job to do. And if we don't do it, it's our responsibility, it's our fault when that job doesn't get done. So in our first point, let's look at the first connection the Bible makes between this passage in Ezekiel uh, to, oh, that's really weird, sorry, uh, to, to our situation today. Uh, and that's point number one, the sword from verses one and two. So let's read those first two verses again. Uh, verse one says, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchmen. So again, he's talking about a sword coming upon the land and that being the reason why there's watchmen. So the purpose of setting watchmen is to warn of the sword upon the land. And the obvious physical example is like I already mentioned, an invading army coming with swords to kill people or take them captive. But we also have to understand how the Bible uses the word sword. And if we, if we do that, well, it begins to make more sense why in verse 2 that God says, when I bring the sword. Because God is actually the one bringing the sword that the watchmen are watching out for, which is pretty interesting if you think about it. That's an important uh, thing to note because we find in Revelation 19 that, well, Jesus is going to bring the sword at his second coming when he comes to the earth in judgment. Revelation 19, 11 through 15 says, And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So Jesus shows up with eyes on fire, with blood on his clothes, with a sword coming out of his mouth that he's going to smite the nations with. That's how his physical kingdom is going to start, by wiping out all the wicked opposition from the people of the world. And it's going to be bloody. Him treading the winepress, well, that just indicates he's going to be stepping on people as though they're grapes and their juices are going to run like grape juice. Uh, so try to get that out of your head next time you drink grape juice. But it's interesting that his sword is coming out of his mouth. But that makes sense when you connect, it, connect another dot in Ephesians 6.17, which says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's something a lot of us are probably already aware of. The Word of God, the Bible, is referred to as a sword. That doesn't mean the Bible is 100% judgment. 
That doesn't mean God's word is all doom and gloom. But the word of God is a powerful sword that's designed to cut and separate. And cutting and separating is just a form of judgment. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it divides asunder, it discerns, it, it separates. That's what swords do. They cut things apart. The Bible is the only thing in this world that can separate good from evil, fact from fiction, right from wrong, lost from saved. That's what it does. It's the sword. The word of God is the dividing line between what is on God's side and what is not. There's only two sides in this world, and, and, and that's it, God's side and not God's side. That doesn't make the world happy to hear. They don't like to be judged. They don't like to be separated. But God is the righteous judge, and his word is the righteous standard that he bases his judgment on. And the reality that the world must, and that's a reality that the world must face every day, and every person has to face that in judgment before God at one point in the future. And on that day, God's going to separate the wicked from him forever. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15 uh, tells us about that day. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, for there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works." And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there is a coming sword that everyone has to face. There's a coming judgment. There's a coming separation. And God is the one who's bringing it. That's a very good thing for us because those of us who've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save us from our sins will be separated to God's side. But this coming judgment is also a very bad thing for those who haven't placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because they'll find themselves separated from God's side forever with no hope. So the sword is real. The judgment is real and it's coming. But whether that's a good thing or bad thing for you is based solely on your response to the gospel. So because of the danger of the coming sword, God has set some watchmen He's not just bringing the sword without warning. He sets watchmen. So let's look at point number two, the watchmen. And let's remember what God tasks Ezekiel with doing. Uh, look at verse seven again. It says, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. So he was to hear the word at God's mouth and then warn the people from there. He was to take what he heard and warn them with it. So this job isn't just warning people of whatever Ezekiel thinks is dangerous. This job is Ezekiel hearing the word of God and relaying it to the people so that they could be warned of the coming judgment. Well, like Ezekiel, God tasks us with warning the lost people of the world with his words. So God gave us his words in a book, and now we're just tasked with getting his word to the world. And in that way, we are God's watchmen. Sure, you don't actually see the word watchmen or watchmen anywhere in the New Testament, but, but we are told to watch throughout the New Testament. For example, 1 Corinthians 6, 
16, 13, says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. So we're told to watch. We see a similar command in Colossians 4, 2. It says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So there's a connection with, with prayer and watching in prayer. Uh, we looked at 1 Thessalonians 5 last week during the conference, and we'll actually look at it again in a couple weeks. But look at what it tells us to do. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8 says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. And man, that's an incredibly important passage when we're talking about keeping the right perspective during the time in which we live, because we live in the night when the watchmen are to watch. But we know when the day, we know the day is coming. Uh, it'll be here when Jesus Christ returns to our planet. That's when he shows up with the sword. Well, that's also when judgment is coming. So until the day arrives, we warn people during the night of that coming day. 2 Timothy 4 also tells us to watch. It says in verse 2, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So throughout scripture, you see this command for us to watch. And we're to watch because we're to know what time it is and we're to know what's coming down the road because we have that information in the word of God. That's, that's really the key to all of this. We have all that information. We don't know exactly when it's coming. We don't know the day, the hour, the, the minute, and the second, but, but man, we can see it coming and we can see it getting closer and we know what's gonna happen when it gets here. We're to use that information to warn others. And we warn them. We blow our trumpet. We, we do that by sharing the gospel. It really is that simple. Our job is to share the gospel. Because sharing the gospel with lost people is the only way they're going to know what God says. They're not reading and understanding God's words on their own. So God tasks us with getting his word to them. Just like he tasked Ezekiel with getting his word to Israel. Uh, Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's a great thing that we could trust in, but keep reading. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Man, understand, we have the best news in the entire world. But no one else is going to hear that news unless we take the time to share it with them. The news of the gospel is simple. 1 Corinthians 15 puts it very succinctly in verses 3 and 4. It says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's what Jesus did for, to, to make a way for us to escape our punishment for sin. That's what he did for us so that we don't have to fear that coming judgment. That's what he did for us so we could have a personal relationship with God for all eternity and not be separated from him without hope. That's what Jesus did for us so we don't have to fear that judgment. Man, that's why it's so important that we warn others by sharing the good news of the gospel with them. 
because that news is only good for them if they hear it in time. You think there's going to be a, be a time when somebody's standing before the great white throne, when, when God's casting wicked people into hell and, and say, you know, I don't really believe in this? Like, no, they can see it for their for themselves, but, but by then the warning's too late. They haven't saved themselves the way they needed to. So it's only good news for them if they hear it in time. And the watchman in Ezekiel 33 had to warn the people as soon as they saw the danger. Ezekiel 33 verse 3 again says, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. So it wasn't like a wait around and see what the sword's going to do. Like, no, you see the sword come and you blow the trumpet and you warn people. And clearly we can see the danger that the Bible tells us about. We can see that coming judgment. So we have a responsibility to warn lost people about that danger because they can't see it on their own. And we know that this warning needs to go out to everyone. Look at what we're told in 2 Peter 3.9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God isn't willing that any should perish. That doesn't mean lost people won't perish in God's coming judgment. It just means God doesn't want them to. He wants every person to come to repentance. So our task of warning people about God's coming judgment means that we're to share the gospel with everyone we possibly can, to give as many people a chance as we can to respond correctly to the warning. That's what we're to watch for. Opportunities to share the gospel. And remember, watching isn't a passive thing. This isn't like watching TV where you're just sitting on your couch and staring at a box. A good watchman is actively looking for opportunities to warn people. He's scanning the horizon. He's looking for things that are moving. He's trying to find something that can be a danger to the people he's watching for. So we ought to be actively seeking for opportunities to share the gospel because only a bad watchman just, just passively waits until he happens to notice an opportunity. If you wait until then, it may already be too late to warn others. But that brings us to point number three, the responsibility. Like we've already talked about, this isn't just a job that God gives us. This is our responsibility that we need to take seriously. This is something that if we choose not to do, won't get done. Let's read verses three through six again. It says, if, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, but his blood shall be upon him. Uh, but he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. And then verse 6 is the key that we're honing in on here. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hands. At the watchman's hand. So obviously... Not everyone who hears the warning is actually going to heed the warning. Some people will ignore the trumpet when they hear it. Some people will ignore the gospel when they hear it. And when that happens, that is on them. They heard the warning. If they did nothing about it, that's clearly their fault. But we also need to understand that it's, that it's simply unacceptable for people to not be warned. God is making it clear here that it's just not acceptable to not warn people. That's why the watchmen exist. Their only job is to warn people of the coming danger. They're not being a watchman while they're also working the smithy or whatever, whatever else people do. Their only job is to warn 
It's to watch and to warn. So if people die or are taken because they, they never heard a warning, because the watchman never gave a warning, well, that's the watchman's fault. That's not, that's not, that's not 100% on the person. Well, the same is true of us sharing the gospel. Of course, some people aren't going to respond correctly to the gospel. It happens all the time. It's hard, it's rough, it's difficult because we want to see people come to Christ, but if they don't respond properly to the gospel, well, there's nothing you can do about that. Our job is to warn them by sharing the gospel. Our job isn't to save them. That's between them and God. God makes salvation available to all men. We just have to tell them about it so that they can respond to it because at the end of the day, they have to respond to it. God saves them when they believe and accept the gospel for themselves after they hear it. But man, that said, shame on us if they never hear it. Because if there are lost people in our lives who die and go to hell because we never shared the gospel with them, man, that's, that's kind of on us. That's us shirking our responsibility as watchmen. That doesn't mean those people don't deserve to go to hell. Obviously, everyone ends up, who ends up in hell deserves to be there because they're all sinners. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. So because they're sinners... They've earned eternal death separated from God. That's why, by the way, in Ezekiel 33, everyone who dies by the sword dies in their iniquity, regardless of whether or not they were warned. Ezekiel 33, 8 8 and 9, again, says, "When When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, If he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. So if you warn him and he ignores it, he dies in his iniquity. But if you don't warn him, well, he still dies in his iniquity. So don't think I'm saying that it's it's your fault when a lost person ends up in hell. They're a sinner, and they, they deserve that fate. The thing is, we're all sinners, and we all deserve that fate. But that didn't stop Jesus from dying for us. Romans 5, 8, and 9 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And that's why we have to see our job as watchmen, as a responsibility that we have to make sure we're doing. That's why we have a duty to share the gospel with everyone we possibly can. Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus says to his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's, it's really that simple. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's God's expectations of us as his watchmen. The, think about it. The, the fact that you heard the gospel and others haven't, well, that simply isn't fair. If you were just as much a sinner, or you were just as much a sinner before you accepted salvation as any lost person out there, man, that's not fair that some people haven't heard. It really isn't fair. But we don't have any right to complain about it not being fair because... We're the only ones who can fix that. We're the only ones who can change that situation and make things fair by sharing the gospel with with as many people as we possibly can so that they have the same opportunity to respond to it that we had. Now, there's obviously some limitations to this picture of of watchmen. God isn't going to kill you or take away your salvation if you fail to warn others, uh, if you fail to share the gospel with them. He's not going to require their blood at your hand or anything like that. Our salvation is secure in him, and we can know that our salvation 
is secure because it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So don't walk out of here tonight thinking that, if God's gonna, or thinking that God is going to punish you uh, for not sharing the gospel. But you have to admit, if someone never hears the gospel and you had an opportunity to share it with them and you didn't, man, then them ending up in hell, it's not going to sit very well with you. Because they're not, you know where they're not going to be? They're not going to be on God's side in heaven for eternity with you. They're going to be separated forever. And man, that's just not going to sit well. You'll always regret not sharing the gospel, but, sh- but you'll never regret sharing it. So man, just, just be obedient. Understand your responsibility that God's given you and, and share the gospel. And sure, you're not going to lose your salvation for not sharing the gospel, but but man, disobeying this command and shirking this responsibility, it can end up with you losing rewards that God had lined up for you. 1 Corinthians 3 makes that abundantly clear. Uh, verse, start in, I'll start in verse 11. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And you don't want that to be you. And that's just describing how you use the life God gives you. If you use the life God gives you to build things that are going to last into eternity, that are going to survive the fire, the gold, silver, and precious stones, you get rewards for them. But if you don't use your life to build towards those things, well, you've got nothing that's going to last to eternity, and so you won't have rewards. You'll, you'll, you'll lose those. And you don't want to, that to be true of you. And you don't want people not knowing the gospel because you never bothered to talk to them about it when you had the chance. Man, never forget that you were a sinner without hope until someone loved you enough to share the gospel with you and you accepted it. You can be that person to someone else if you take this responsibility seriously. Because if we don't, Man, nobody's going to. And as we wrap up this introduction to this new series tonight, I just want you to consider a couple things. First of all, just consider your daily life. Man, are you watching for opportunities to share the gospel with, with the people around you who need it? Because watching for those opportunities is different than passively waiting for them to fall in your lap. Are you praying to God, asking him to provide those opportunities, and then actually looking for them as you go about your day? If you start doing that, man, you'll probably be shocked at the number of opportunities that pass you by without you ever even noticing them when you're not paying attention. So start paying attention. Start watching. And when you see a responsibility or a, an opportunity, take it. Share the gospel with someone. And man, rest easy knowing that you did the job that God gave you to do, regardless of how they respond to it. And sure, pray that they respond well. Beg God to work in their heart. But at the end of the day, you have nothing to be ashamed of if you did your job by warning them. So man, prayerfully consider that tonight. But I also want you to consider what we talked about tonight in the context of the missions conference we had last week. Because yes, there are probably opportunities to share the gospel in your daily life every day. That's why it's daily life. But there are for sure places on this planet where there is no one present to share the gospel where there are people living who have never heard the gospel before because no one is there to share it with them. Well, that's why world missions is a thing, right? 
as a church, we understand our God-given responsibility is to preach the gospel to every creature. It's to get the gospel to the world, not just to our own community, though that's very important. That's why I was on your case about sharing the gospel in your daily life. But I also pray that you'll consider your role in reaching the completely unreached places of the world. Yeah, like we talked about last week, pray for the missionaries our church sends out and supports. They, they need prayer to keep doing what they're doing. Yes, give to missions through faith promise giving because they need finances to be able to do that. And yes, go on short-term missions trips so you can participate in the work that God is doing through our missionaries. I'd be lying to you if I didn't, or if I said I wasn't a little bit proud of how many well folks are signed up for the Albanian and Hungary summer camps this year. It's a pretty cool thing. All that's good. Pray, give, go on short-term trips. Do all those things however much you can. But man, will you consider asking God if he has more planned for you than that? Will you consider asking God if at some point in the future he'd like you to go share the gospel in another part of the world long-term? Would you ask him if, if you might be one of the people he wants to send to the place where there is no one there, there is no watchman warning of the coming danger? Because here's the deal. You and I are blessed enough to be a part of a church that, that can prepare you for that. Jeff shared the, the list of names on Sunday of, of people who've been grown and trained at our church for, for vocational ministry. Sure, some of them are still around serving the Lord right here, myself included. But some of them have moved their families to provide a new gospel witness to an area that didn't have one previously. Man, let me tell you, that's a life worth considering. Yes, you'll always have opportunities to share the gospel and make disciples right here. But never forget that your church is also here. So if God sees fit to send you somewhere else, there will be people here to handle those opportunities. But, but there might not be somebody to handle the opportunities somewhere else. But he could be very well wanting to send you to a place where there is no one who can handle those opportunities. So, man, just consider that. And look, I, I, I trust that all those things are already on your mind because of the conference last week, and it was a great conference, it was a great time, but... I just thought it fitting to remind you of this stuff tonight, given this new series. Um, because remember, last Tuesday night, uh, the final night of the conference, Troy just asked people to raise their hand if God was using the missions conference to, to guide you or, or point you in a particular direction. And, and man, he, like Jeff said on Sunday, he didn't say to not peek and look. And I would have, even if he said not to. Um, <laughs> That's part of being a pastor, by the way. That's the secret. Uh, whenever he says all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'm looking. Um, so there you go. That was for free. Um, <laughs> but he asked everybody to just raise your hand if God was doing something in your heart and, and, and pointing you in a direction. And man, a ton of people raised their hands. A lot of you raised your hands. And that's an awesome thing. It's fantastic. But then he said to make sure to let one of the pastors know what God was doing in your heart so that they could help you take the next steps. And None of you that raised your hands came and talked to me. Maybe you talked to another pastor, that's fine. Maybe you weren't exactly sure how to put into words what God was doing in your heart just yet, that's fine too. I don't know. But like Troy last week, my encouragement to you is the same. Don't ignore what God was doing or is doing in your heart. Don't just forget what he did in your life last week. Talk to a pastor about it. You're obviously welcome to talk to me about it. If you haven't noticed, I'm here every week. Uh, I'm here every Tuesday. And, and as 
as your pastor, man, I understand it's my responsibility to help you get to where God wants you to be. But all your pastors understand that. And you have to understand that we can't do that if you don't let us know what God's doing in your heart. So there's just that invitation. Um, but I'm, I am really looking forward to this series. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff we're going to dig through about what it means to watch and what it means to be a good gospel witness. And so, man, as we get through this introduction, let's just commit to being God's watchman. Let's just commit to watching with responsibility as we do our best to serve the Lord and be his representatives in this world, whether it's here in our daily life, in our community, or whether it's down the road somewhere else where, where there is no gospel witness. Because God's bringing the judgment. And, and that might not seem fair, but God's also the one who set the watchman to warn people of the coming judgment. Because the judgment has to come so sin gets dealt with. But man, God wants to save sinners. He doesn't want people stuck on the wrong side of that judgment. That's why we're here. That's why he gave us this job to do. That's why he gave us this responsibility. So let's just commit to, the, to doing that, whatever that means down the road. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for just uh, how clear your expectations of us are. Um, man, it's just, it's amazing that we could take an Old Testament uh, thing that you said to Ezekiel and just make the connections through the, through the words of your, your, your book, um, man, just to just apply those things to us and just see how responsible we are. Uh, man, the Great Commission, you, you've given it to us. You've given it to human beings, and you could have picked any method you wanted to, to get the gospel to the world, but you chose us. Um, and Lord, that's a, that's a humbling thing because, because it also comes with the understanding that if, if, we're, if we don't take that responsibility seriously, then, then that job won't get done. And so, Lord, I pray that we would. I pray that you just continue to press on our hearts exactly um, man, what it is you want us to do and exactly which opportunities uh, you're putting in front of us. Lord, make it so clear that we, we can't help but see the opportunities and we can't help but, but walk through those doors and share the gospel with people. Uh, Lord, we love you and we look forward to the day you come back and we want, we want as many people as possible to be able to look forward to that day as well because of what you're using us to do in their life. And so, Lord, give us the opportunities. Uh, let us be watchmen. Let us watch with responsibility and uh, don't let us slack off. Don't let us be lazy. In your name we pray. Amen.